The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today. I'm your host Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a hoop ball presentation, as always. So make sure to check out the fine folks on hoop ball at hoopball tweets on Twitter and hoop-ball.com. Today we are talking the NBA draft, and I am I'm pleased to tell you I got a special guest here to talk about that. Uh, NBA draft expert Rafael Bar. You can follow him. On Twitter at Barlow500. Am I getting that uh, pretty right? Yep, yep. Barlow500. And uh, he's, oh, there it is on Twitter. And he's the host of both the podcast and the YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkie. So make sure to check that out. It's really great draft content. I've been using it for a lot of basically all my draft takes I have right now. But in my mind, I'm like, hey, rather than try to talk about the draft, from what I've gotten from Mr. Barlow, why not have him on? He was gracious enough to give me his time here. So, first off, Mr. Barlow, how you doing? And, and thank you for coming on. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. It's always uh, an honor to talk basketball. And then, you know, just when I started this site, it was it was a dream of mine. But the past few months, just been on podcasts, you know, a couple of times a week. And, and, and people are, are recognizing the hard work that I put in. It always feels good, so I'm always gracious to to be a guest on on any show. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's good to have your insight and, and intel in this too, because um, this draft's crazy. The process has been crazy. I've almost wait. I've been doing the show for a minute now. Well, a minute being like less than a year, but enough to know when the draft is coming and to kind of make a rough plan on when I wanted to talk about it. But then when they getting mm-hmm. pushed back so much, I was like, all right, we're good, we're good. And then obviously, you know, we're we're a couple weeks away. And there's been so much floated about, and I just want to kind of get into it. But before we start about just going through the first, like, 15 picks, kind of getting your mock, I wanted to kind of get um, a little background on on just you kind of, you know, you put the work in as far as starting your channel and kind of getting your your kind of draft um, intel and, like, how do you kind of go about the process? Just kind of your background in this. My background is... is <laughs> Sorry, it's a tough question for me, for me to for me to answer. I, uh-huh. I started off working with the Texas Legends about I guess ten years ago, and I was an intern and and I wanted to get into scouting, but just the experience there was great. I learned a lot. It, it kind of gave me all the credibility I needed as far as like working with different players and just learning overall. But I, I knew that if I wanted to like be a scout. I didn't think that the traditional path of me working my way up the ranks from the G League to to the big leagues, I just didn't think that path was going to work out for me. And so, Mm. you know, my theory is instead of waiting on the door to open, just kind of kick one down yourself. And so that's what I did. I started the site in 2016, 17. Actually, I I told the whole story. I haven't really probably told the whole story. Um, <laughs> so uh 2016 yeah 2016 um i was just kind of like at a, at a bad space as far as just struggling with my career struggling financially not really seeing where it was going to go wondering if if i made the right choice wishing that that i that my mind would allow me to do something simpler or settle for just not doing something I love. Mm-hmm. And um, I had an opportunity to uh, take a family trip with my parents. And we were in France. And, my, you know, my parents paid for it because I was doing some filming for a group. And so I had tweeted, and it just shows the power of Twitter. I tweeted <laughs> that, man, I love traveling abroad. I want the full experience instead of being a, a visitor. So maybe 20 minutes later, a friend of mine that's an agent, he texts me and says, are you serious? I said, yeah. He says, so you really wouldn't mind living abroad? I said, no, not at all. I'd love to. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, I might have something for you. So a few months later, they had wanted me to um, spend time over in Italy with one of their 
players that they were representing. He was young, out of college, and they knew there was going to be a big adjustment for him living in a foreign country. And they asked me what I what I mind going, just kind of helping him adjust. And, you know, it's just so much money on the line. And, you know, the time difference if a player on his first practice wakes up late because he overslept because of the time difference, he can get cut and sent home. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just tough. And so um, and then I think it's tough for most people to adjust to live in another country. And then it's even tougher if you're 20 years old, 21, 22. So anyway, that didn't work out. And so. I was kind of disappointed because, you know, I kind of got excited about the opportunity. And then um, a friend of mine named Epe Udo, who was. Uh, oh, yeah. Big yeah, man. First round Warriors. Pick of the Warriors. The yep. Yeah. So I have a background as a videographer. And so he has the same agent as, as the guy that called me. He, he says, well, Epe would be interested in documenting his whole experience uh, in, with, in Turkey. He wants to do a. Uh, a, a video series called um, Euro Angle, and he wants to just film, like going to the different cities and just show life overseas and, and how that, you know, if you didn't make it to the NBA, you can still make a good living and just the whole experience. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, definitely. I would love to film that. So we worked out something. And then um, I guess he must have asked the agent, must have asked me, what was my long term goal? I said, man, I would love to have my own NBA draft channel and. So he says, you know what? I think Epp has an interest in that. So maybe that's something you guys can work out together. That's and cool. so, you know, when I ended up talking to Epe and and he was just saying, hey, you know, I think there's a, a tournament going on. You should go cover these tournaments where some of these European prospects. And so I did my first tournament. It was, I want to say, February. No, I'm sorry, not February. December, like 2016. It was an under 18 tournament that was supposed to have been in the summer, but they moved it back to December and in that tournament, Frank Nilakina played in it. Isaiah Hartenstein oh, wow. used to play for the Rockets. Uh, and Musa, that plays for the Nets, he was in yep. that tournament. And so the funniest thing was I was writing notes, and it was about this kid. I had never heard of him, and I was like, this kid is so immature. He's really good, but he's goofing around. He doesn't understand the impact of this type of tournament. He's just laughing and playing, but he's the <laughs> best player on the court. And wow. So I never heard of him, and it was Sekou Dumbuya. And so <laughs> I I wrote it in my notes, and I was just like, uh, you know, like I said, I, I never heard of him. So by the time I got back to my hotel, I realized he was 15 years old, and I was kind of like his coming out party. Whoa. And so um, nobody nobody really heard of him at the time, and he was three years younger than everybody else playing in that tournament. So I wrote all these notes. I was like, whenever this kid comes out, he's definitely a first round pick. And uh, so then I just started, like like I said, that's, that season I started my site. I did profiles, but trial and error as far as my site, as far as, like, the looks of it. And, you know, it's very amateur. I did everything on my own. And then um, fast forward. So, I mean, it's kind of a long story, but fast forward. Oh, no, please. Uh-huh. So um, I, I know Sekou's agent. And actually, it's, it's a it's a, a agent named Buna Njai. He represents pretty much all the top French players from Batum to Gobert to Evan Fournier he represents Frank, and he he when he's stateside, he doesn't live too far from me in Dallas. And um, I had told him, I said, hey, are you familiar with this kid, uh, Sekou Dumbuya? He says, yeah, that's my client. I said, man, whenever he declares for the NBA draft, mm-hmm. please let me, like, do some video on him. I want to, like, cover, you know, I just want to be able to, to get access. And so Buna being, like, the awesome dude that he is, honored you know his uh his word and last year which was like three years later he gave me access to Sekou's pro day and oh, wow. i was there with and i heard it was like 60 or 70 nba scouts and only people there that was the film was me i think espn got there a little late and so um i you know he just gave me full access to it and so that was a big break for me on my site just because you know, he was kind of like an unknown in a sense to the U.S. audience, but then he was well known in France. I think the video might have over 160,000 views. I probably gained like, you know, two or three thousand subscribers from that video. So that was kind of like my big, big break as far as like on, on the video side and then kind of like getting an international audience. And then um, so, yeah, so this year has definitely grown tremendously. And um, it's so, yeah, that's kind of how I got started. Wow. No, I appreciate that, man, because, I mean, not only is it inspiring to hear that story as far as making it 
kind of, like you said, like not kind of an unknown, just working and grinding and kind of getting in and yeah. making a name for yourself and already having, but like also in, in regards, like I see personal takeaways for myself. Cause I'm in like, like I guess as you are NBA podcast, where it's like, okay, for me, I just want to carve out a spot in the podcast and kind of make it yeah. where, you know, and that's it. Like I'm not, I don't have coach material, not a scout like that, but a passion for the NBA, passion for basketball and a passion for talking about it. And so like hearing your story and just being able to like, okay, you know, like you said, you can wait for the door to open. You can get in there and grab the bull by the horns and go with it. So thank you for that. But that's cool because all I've heard, you know, on Twitter, I follow um, a lot of guys, Duncan Smith, a lot of guys on Twitter where Seku, Seku is, a, he's a big dude right now in Detroit. Like someone who probably along with Christian Wood is the most impactful players, you know, in Detroit and how they move forward. And this is someone that, again, was just, I let's just say I didn't know about him too much going into the season. And I know a lot about him now. Um, yeah. So that's crazy. I, I was able to spend a lot of time around him last summer just because he worked out every day with a guy named Tyler Ralph, and they worked out not too far from my house. Mm-hmm. But it just shows. And then um, at the time, Buna, I think Frank didn't start off with Buna as his agent, but he was. Oh, okay. He started representing Buna sometime last year, and it was just kind of surreal for me because my first draft or my first scouting experience, as far as internationally. Uh, the two guys that I saw that I had notes on were working out in Dallas, which I live in Dallas, and they were working out like two blocks from my home. And mm-hmm. so when I told them, I was like, hey, I said, I know this may sound weird, but when I started my scouting service, you guys were the first two guys I had notes on. And I, I kept the notes in my, my phone. I was able to show them my notes from 2000. 16 so um, (laughs) yeah it just kind of let me know like it just kind of showed like you just never know and and you know when I started my site and I wasn't getting any traction when I would do a a video and it'd get like 19 views or my site would get like six six uh page visits for the month I I never I just kind of kept sticking with it and so you know my goal is to one day obviously like reach you know, my, my goals and my dreams, but I want to be able to encourage people to like, whatever you have a passion for doing, just keep, keep sticking with it and just outwork them, outwork whoever, because a lot of people are going to start. And when things get tough, they're going to get discouraged and they're going to stop, stop doing this. So just keep on going. So I appreciate it, man. You got, you gotta, you gotta believe it right here, man. So thank you. Um, And speaking of that, we're talking about the draft and all that. Taking that transition, I, like I said, I've said this to you already off air. I've said it before. Big fan of the pods. I've been keeping track on my own, but it's formed a lot of my opinions of the draft so far, especially since most of my draft knowledge, like I would imagine a certain sub-segment or sub-segment of NBA fans is just from these draft prospect videos, unless they're following college just through and through and then transitioning over. Um, right. And that's definitely not me. So coming in now, I just kind of want to go with you, kind of get your mock for the first 15 teams um, on the lottery, but two, I think they're honestly the most interesting. This is a interesting draft. And I figured I'd actually start there and ask the question, in terms of you evaluating drafts, where do you place this one? Because like all we hear, you know, people, if you're looking for good ones, you're looking at 2021, you know, um, 2022. Um, there's not a whole lot of, maybe there's been varying opinions on the star potential of this draft um mm-hmm. who stands out anyone could go number one people trying to trade out of it there's not that one guy do you compare it to like a draft like say the 2000 nba draft or like the 2013 where you know there would be a few decent guys who will come out of that in the future but like there's no one you look back and you go you know that guy right there that that was a star like how do you look at it you know i try not to compare drafts because i don't think you can really get a full Mm-hmm. assessment on the draft until after the rookie contracts expire. Gotcha. So you got to think like, remember 2014, everybody thought was going to be like a crazy draft. Jabari, Andrew Wiggins, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wiggins, um, who else? And uh, so you look at it that yeah. You know, Jabari is basically a journeyman, just being totally honest. (laughs) Wiggins has put up pretty good numbers, but he isn't the star that everybody kind of made him out to be. And so a lot of these guys, their reputations were based off of what they did in high school. Mm -hmm. While Embiid is the best player in that draft, 
off the top of my head, but he wasn't somebody that I was reading about when he no. was in high school. So it was Aaron Gordon a lot, Julius Randle, both of those guys. Yep. Like you said, maybe Aaron Gordon's not a journeyman, but he's definitely not the star we thought. And he's been yeah. rumored to be traded for like four years now. And then Randle's been bounced around. Yeah, you're right. You know, Zach Levine's decent. But looking at it now as I'm talking to you, I remember the first three because all I remember was Jabari and Andrew Wiggins. Like, they were going to be amazing. And yeah. and you said it. They they haven't been amazing. <laughs> right. That, and I remember uh, watching those guys play at an AU tournament. And that was my first time seeing Wiggins. And I, I thought he was good. Jabari was unreal. But to be honest, yeah. uh, was Jabari the – like, if you had to choose right now, yeah. Who would you rather have on your team, Jabari Parker or his teammate Kendrick Nunn? <laughs> Yo, they were from back then. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Kendrick Nunn. Well, they didn't play on the same AU team. Kendrick Nunn played for the Main Streets. Jabari played for uh, I can't think of the name of the the team. But mm-hmm. Jabari's teammate was Cliff Alexander, mm-hmm. and I mean they were dominant. But I, I think Jabari and Kendrick Nunn were teammates in high school. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because they're not that far away age wise. Because Kendrick was a little older anyway. Yeah. But even in 2013, everybody said it was a weak draft. You know, Anthony Bennett went number one, who actually know A.B., really, really nice guy. I I, I hope he gets a chance again this year. I thought he was going to make the Rockets last year, but he had an injury. But he was the number one pick, and, you know, he'll always be known as a guy that was a bust and a failure and and, and this and that. But in that draft, if I'm not mistaken, that was – Gobert was in that draft, correct? Yeah, 2014 um, or 2013, 13. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was late, but he was. So in that draft, you got Giannis and Gobert, two uh-huh. all-NBA players who, you know, international guys who were picked outside of the lottery. Yeah. I think C.J. McCullum was in that draft. Yeah. So I think it's overall, it was a pretty decent draft. I mean, how many times do you get two All-NBA players in a draft? So on one hand, you can say that was a strong draft. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, I hadn't, Again, I'm glad because I hadn't looked at it that way, but you're right. There are a few guys here that are pretty solid looking in retrospect now. Maybe not everyone goes to like the 2003 draft or the 96 when they're thinking like, oh, all these great you know legends. But yeah. like you said, the chances of that are, are never very high even if the general NBA fan may want to think that. And and I can fall in that category myself sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I'm very much a – and I try to stop doing it. With this draft, it's been a lot easier to do, but to fall out of player comps. Because um, for me, that's easier to think, okay, like one guy we're going to talk about, um, Anthony Edwards, who I have a rough cop of like Andrew Wiggins in terms of the hype that may not be realized because of the strengths that he has. But let me not kind of go right into it then. Um, it, it, Looking at – Right now, let's just kind of start with like the first three because I feel like you may agree that two of these teams are probably most definitely gonna like shop or they're definitely probably shopping their picks already, but that two of them more than likely will make the moves. But I guess assuming that they don't, uh, unless you know you feel that they will, like where do you see the fit for just starting with the Timberwolves? Because I feel they're interesting in that aside from Carl Thane Towns, I'm a big D'Angelo Russell fan, especially mm-hmm. just being a Lakers guy from the jump, but like. I feel like they could kind of get anyone in any position. Like, if they want to go with the core of Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, then that's perfect. But, like, if they were to take a guy that, let's just say he has the potential to go in the top three and he also plays the ends of Russell's position, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. But, like, who do you have right now as your number one for the Timberwolves? Right now, I think they'll select Anthony Edwards. Okay. I don't think he's the best fit for them. I think the best fit for them overall is Denny Abdia. Because ah, okay. um, he doesn't play the same position, and I think that he, him being a playmaker, a secondary playmaker off the wing, would allow D'Angelo to play off the ball some. I think that he's a pretty decent team defender, and he just has like a lot of the intangibles. Now, will they select him number one? Highly yeah. doubtful. I think yeah. that even if the coaching staff and the general manager wants them to select him number one, I think ownership will overrule it. Because, you know, I'm in this NBA and it's all about making money. Yeah. And it will be hard, especially in a year like this, where teams are going to want money and, and, you know, somebody that they can sell the fans on. I think it would be a little difficult to sell the fans in Minnesota to buy tickets or jerseys whenever, you know, you can buy tickets again for a scene or never heard of. So, yeah. 
I think that uh, I think they're going to select Anthony Edwards if they keep the pick, which is uh, interesting because you know Beasley's a, Malik Beasley's a free agent and you expect him to resign, and then they just drafted Cover last year, and so it seems like drafting Edwards would be a little redundant. But I think you can say the same for Lamelo Ball, and then even if you are looking at Wiseman at number one. Um, you know, it's 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 a debate whether him and Cat can play together. So I think they're just probably going to go with a player that they feel has the highest upside and mm-hmm. has the most overall talent. And I think that's Anthony Edwards. But I don't think the fit is the best. I get you on that. And I, talking about Edwards a little bit, I mean, obviously, if we're going to, like, boil it down to as simple of a archetype or concept, he's basically just a effective or, or semi-effective high-volume kind of scoring guard. Um, do you think, and you mentioned Malik Beasley and he's been, he had a fire, what, 10 games with mm-hmm. the Timberwolves, but high, you know, it, if you look at his per 36 from this season, last season, like it looks, he kind of continues some, uh, some similar of a role, but as far as his shooting and everything, where you come with Edwards, you're right. There is a clash between him and Beasley. And I definitely don't think Beasley can play the three. Do you think that with, um, Edwards, like size and frame, like six, four, you know, g- g- muscular body type that he could swing to the three? How would you think they would kind of make that work? Because I definitely think Beasley starting. You don't make that trade that they did in the offseason, or not in the offseason, at the trade deadline with Beasley as your centerpiece and I, I think regulate him to a bench role, right? Yeah, and you can say the same thing about Culver. You know, the guy you drafted, what, number six last year? That's true. And and you end up drafting another player that plays pretty much the same position back-to-back years. So that could signal, like... They're not high on him anymore. They've given up on him, or or maybe just the fact that they're not in position to, to uh, you know, worry about fits. They just gotta take the best player available. So, I mean, like to me, the two and the three are, are somewhat interchangeable. It's not like mm-hmm. oh, let's go know, to the nineties where where you know you had threes that were posting up. Yeah. And so <laughs> you had twos that were posting up back when the league was really in, interested in like big guards. And then I feel like in your closing lineup anyway, which matters the most, teams are usually closing small. So, I mean, you look at even when Golden State, when they were closing small, you had Clay at the three, even though he started at the two. Yeah. Or either, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes depending on what, what position you considered, Sean Livingston when he was in their closing lineup. So yeah. I don't think it, it really matters, to be honest okay. with you. That sounds good. I get to. I'm, I'm personally thinking that, like you said, an imperfect match that Edwards would probably fit Minnesota and that they'd either make it work or, or you know, I think with Edwards, you're kind of committing to, okay, we don't have a great defender at the one, at the two. If we have Edwards at the three, you take that two. And then the five will call the town. So we're just going to outscore you. Like, that's kind of the goal. I don't know the, the concept, but if the NBA season is going to work as fast as it's been talked about so far, then I think they might just have to roll with it and keep it going. But um, speaking of keeping going, let's kind of go to number two and three. You mentioned they're interchangeable. Um, what do you have for, for the Warriors and the Hornets, assuming that the Warriors keep their pick? Because apparently from what I've read, they either love everybody or they're shopping that pick for all it's worth. Everybody. Every <laughs> single player I've read is the Warriors are in love with them. So that's kind of, I wonder who's leaking the information. Is it the Warriors? Is it the agents that are trying to – I don't know. Yeah. Put some pressure on. I don't know. It, it's Sorry it's my weird. Love I've never, right we love everybody. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a team say they just love every single player. Um, yeah. I got him taking Wiseman. Okay. I think that he is. I mean, I think he's a good fit for them simply because he can come in. He can be their starting center from day one. He can develop. Slowly, he doesn't need the ball to be effective. They could just kind of use him as a rim runner and just kind of hope that he can maximize his potential there. He'd be in a situation, like I said, where on one hand, you can say he doesn't have a lot of pressure on him because he's not expected to, like, carry their franchise or, you know, you know, carry a heavy load. But then on the other hand, you can say that he has more pressure on him because he's going into a situation where he's going to have to win and, and, you know, most most teams are drafting this high aren't title contenders. You know, they're just looking to develop and they're giving guys plenty of opportunities to make mistakes. So depending on how you look at it, but I think the Warriors will select James Wiseman just because, like I said, he can come in and be their starting center from day one. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm with that for sure. Um, but then that does make it interesting because going to Charlotte, number three, 
I I feel like a big is needed. Cody Zeller kind of in the last year of his deal, um, not really a fit for the Hornets where they're trying to go, wherever that is, because they kind of have a mismatch of like perfectly good players or perfectly capable players, but like nobody that's like going to be part of the next Hornets team, great Hornets team, in my opinion, or no one rather better worded that's going to be like the main piece of the next great Hornets team. Now, this is a little early, depending on what you think about PJ Washington. I love me some Devontae Graham, but like just in general, um, with the Warriors taking Wiseman and that being a good fit, not only for their need for a big, but also someone that will learn under those veterans and especially under Draymond, who do you have third uh, with Charlotte? Yeah, this is where a lot of fans <laughs> are on my neck about this one. Really? But okay. I think Okongu. I would take Okongu. I think okay. he has a really high ceiling. I think that you know he could be better than Wiseman. Um, mm-hmm. I think Wiseman probably has... I know. I, I guess the best way for me to say it is I think Okongu would be the safer pick, but I think Wiseman has a higher upside. Okay. But you know, you just never know. But I think that, um, yeah. I mean, I think that Okongu will be an ideal fit. I know a lot of people want them to take Lamelo Ball. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked to see them take Lamelo Ball simply because, I mean, he's box office. He's gonna sell tickets. He's gonna yeah. generate revenue. He's gonna create a, a buzz. No pun intended. Charlotte. <laughs> and, and so um and, and charlotte needs that right now i mean just overall yeah. as a city you know cam newton and kimba walker were like the two guys that were you know the most famous players in the city of the biggest stars and both of those guys are gone now and so yeah i mean i think financially just from the outside of the basketball far just off the court Lamelo makes the most sense but i think okongwu who ironically was his teammate in high school. This is who I would take at number uh, three if I was Charlotte. The connections that you got, as you know, with these guys, first with Kendrick Nunn and Jabari, and now that, that's funny. Um, especially seeing how they shape up, you know, later on. And those relationships, obviously, you see where they kind of form in terms of free agency and what, wherever the case may be. Interesting. I like Okungu as far as someone I've looked at kind of undersized the big, but like the energy, the motor, you know, is interesting defensively. No, I'm totally with that. Um, I'm saying stuff I basically got from you, but basically, um, with Charlotte, <laughs> with Charlotte at number four, um, I'm interested to see where you go with this, only because I feel like they're a team that a, a lot of the young play that was disappointing, notably, you know, Laurie Markinen, I felt was really because there was all the coaching. I felt like, yeah, they, they regressed. There was no two ways about it. But I don't know if it was because of who they were as players and more about the general scheme and dysfunction that circled around Chicago with the front office, you know, and, and the coaching staff. So I, I think the players there, you know, uh, depending on what you feel about Zach Levine and everything, are good. Um, point guard is interesting, and I kind of feel like I think I know, but, like, where do you have for Chicago number four? Yeah, Chicago, like you said, I think their guys underachieved. Uh I feel like you can blame some of it on coaching, but also injuries. They just weren't healthy. Marketing after I think the first game he had like a monster first game, and then he never played that good after that. I think he had like an oblique injury or something like that. Wendell yeah. Carter missed a lot of games. I'm really high on Kobe White though. I really really like Kobe White. I think that <laughs> even though the second half of the season was cut short, he was on a roll. He was averaging like 26 a game. But you know you have to wonder about to fit with him and Levine as far as like having a playmaker, someone that's going to look to pass the ball. Yeah. So I have them selecting LaMelo ball with the, with the fourth pick. Uh, it's, it's not the best fit because, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder like in an open competition, like just straight up open competition, the best player in camp wins the starting yeah. point guard job. I don't know if he can beat Kobe White out okay. or, or Levine. And, and so it could be a weird situation <laughs> where if they don't make a trade and they keep Zach or keep Kobe and LaMelo is drafted, he could be coming off the bench, which... The drama, know, man. Drama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh, uh, that, that's a tough spot. But I have the Bulls selecting him at, at number four. Okay. I mean, I, I, at least I see a fit there that could work because you're right. If you are moving Levine and with everything, I think there's going to be a lot of trades coming up. I could definitely see Levine on the move. And then it makes sense. You just slot ball in half white and kind of see how that goes. But, yeah, that'll be interesting. Now, Cleveland, I think, is interesting because you can kind of upgrade in a few spots. I guess uh, from my own bench point, i be looking at the bigs. But that depends on how you feel about Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, um, Kevin Porter Jr. 
but where are you going? Um, and I guess we go to six to keep it moving as far as uh, Cleveland and then, uh, you know, after Cleveland, Atlanta. So for Cleveland, I think that if Wiseman or Kongu on the board, then then they should go in that direction. But based off uh-huh. of what I have, they're gone. I think Denny Abdiel would be a good pick here simply because mm-hmm. similar to Chicago, the ball doesn't move in Cleveland. You know, yeah. you got two guards that, that look to score first. Yeah. And I think that he would provide some balance in their starting lineup. Uh, you know, it's just weird to, to kind of guess what they're going to do because you think For Kevin real. Love would be on the move. You would think um, Drummond is only going to be there one year, but I just read that they're planning a future around him. I don't know if that's just talk or not. Gosh. And then, um, you know, Tristan Thompson's a free agent. So, yeah. Um, you know, you never know if they decide to bring him back as insurance because you just you just never know because of Tom. I don't know. It's yeah, Cleveland's weird. Cleveland's weird. Kobe yeah. Altman is interesting. It's a weird deal. Right. And so I think that, you know, their guards are they, – they need some size in the backcourt. They need somebody that that um, is not going to want to dominate the ball and shoot it every time. I'm high on Kevin Porter Jr. I've even made the – I mean – I've even made like comments that talent for talent, skill for skill. Is mm-hmm. there that big of a difference between Kevin Porter Jr. and Anthony Edwards? And I don't think there is. Interesting. I think, um, you know, I just think that Porter Jr. must have had some bad intel for him to fall that low on the draft. <laughs> He's yeah. super talented. But, yeah, I think Avdi would be a good fit. I mean, he would uh, allow Garland and Sexton to do what they do best, which is score. He could be the secondary playmaker, and he, they, you know, they can run side pick and rolls for him. I just think that he would be a good connective tissue and a good complementary piece. But he could end up being the best player on that team, also. But I, if I'm Cleveland, I, I don't let uh, Denny Abdia pass me up. Are you worried that Abdia might uh, come in on those uh, budding star minutes for uh, Chetty Osman? <laughs> Although yeah. I do like Chetty, I'm just trying to say, like, it's just a joke. But like in general. I mean, they do need, like, a clear-cut guy at the three. And and I guess that's the question. Do you think Abdi is better at the three or the four? Because I know one thing that's been talked about is his, his shooting or relative lack thereof, at least reliable. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll start the game at the three, but he'll finish games at the four. Okay. On most teams. But with Cleveland, no. I mean, because Love <laughs> is probably going to finish games at the four unless they uh, bench Drummond. So, I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of looking at it as if, Love or Drummond won't be there, and they're gonna have to do a complete, you know, rehaul of their front line and, and go young because those guys to me just aren't on the same timeline as as the guys that they drafted. So, but yeah, I, I think he'll start games at three, no matter what team he plays for. But I think okay. in closing lineups, he's gonna be at four. Okay, got you, got you. All right, well, I'm gonna keep it right on moving. Uh, with Atlanta. Now, I saw this earlier today, it's not breaking news, but like as recording on the 27th, that the Hawks would be looking to shop that six pick for the potential of uh, getting a win now player to better compete, which like, do I think they should with the players there? Probably not, but like it's the Eastern Conference and I could see them battling for like the final two spots. Um, But again, I guess we're assuming if they keep that pick, is is there a guy that can draft that? can kind of help with both. Like, yeah, he's a young player, but can kind of contribute to the win now. Like, who do you have uh, up for Atlanta? Because they're interesting, I think. Yeah, as far as win now, that's tough. Because Atlanta, whoever they draft, is going to be redundant to what they already have. You draft yeah. a, a point guard, you already got Trey Young. You draft a two, you already have, you know, the wings that you drafted in the last couple drafts between uh, Horder, I mean, Horder, yeah. uh, Reddish, and Hunter. So... You draft a four, you know, John Collins is there. He's due for an extension. You take a five, Clint Capella's there, and you just uh, trade it for Dwayne Dedman, who's, you know, making like $13 million a year. So mm-hmm. I have it, – it's tough, but I could see, definitely see them moving a the pick. But if they don't, I think that Isaac Okoro, he may not be the best fit right away, yeah. but he – Feels a need for defense. He's a tough-minded defensive player. He's, I mean, Atlanta was terrible on defense. They give up like yep. 119.7 points per game. Yeah, they're the worst defense in the league. So they need some 
guys on the team that are that want to defend. I think Reddish was a good defender. But if Trey Young is going to be their superstar, you need to find guys around him that can defend. And if Okoro can defend at a high level and knock down open shots, then then he definitely helps Atlanta out. But I, I think that his value increased with the play of uh, Lugans Dort in the playoffs. Like you saw yeah. how well Dort defended James Harden as far as just being a physical guy that could move his feet, he could absorb contact on stronger guys, but he also refused to be screened. And so even though Harden put up nice numbers, Dort just kind of made him work for everything he had. And so um, I think Atlanta needs a guy like that. They could also look at somebody like Devin Vassell, but I think Okoro's the hometown guy. I have him stand in his hometown of Atlanta on the current mock draft that I have. But, you know, I'm sure it's going to change within the next two or three weeks. So. Oh, yeah. Everything's crazy up there. Although I do like Okoro uh, forming like a wing core with Reddish that I think could work. Both of those guys kind of have that frame, I guess, to swing between the three and the four. And you do give some more size up in a front court that, I mean, you're, you're going to be playing Trey Young in crunch time minutes. You're not sitting that guy out. So if you can hide him in any way, uh, you got to do it. All right. So I'm going to kind of, I guess – from this point, uh, well, I want, actually, I'm going to get to Phoenix and now kind of let you, like, kind of pick from there. But I want to know, like, as far as Detroit, um, where they're going, because really, if you look at the core, they're probably trying to keep Christian Wood. Maybe Blake Griffin's on the move. Derrick Rose is probably most definitely on the move. Um, we mentioned, you mentioned Sekou Demboya earlier, someone that they're probably going to keep as a core piece if they were if they were smart, so we'll see. But um, as far as who you have lined up for them, does a guy like Devin Bissell fall down to them? Is he a fit for them? Uh, I mean, in terms of Detroit and their needs, I guess it depends on the direction, right? Yeah, I'm taking a point guard if I'm Detroit. I'm taking okay. Chilean Hayes. You know, him and okay. Sekou got the French connection. They're good friends. And, yeah, I just don't know if, if you plan on moving Derrick Rose, then taking another wing, then you have a really big hole at point guard. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would take Killian Hayes if I'm Detroit at number seven because, I mean, what free agent point guard would they get? I mean, Van Vliet is probably not going to go there unless they no. give him a crazy contract. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would take a point guard, and I, Killian Hayes would be my guy. Got you on that. Okay. I mean, it makes total sense there, especially for someone to build for the future. Um, Knicks, I'm from New York, Brooklyn, Park Slopes. Uh, Knicks are going to Knicks. I've known that for a couple years now. Uh, based on my life. But, like, mm-hmm. in terms of where they're drafting, who do you see them going for in a group that, I mean, they kind of need to rebuild and get some good young talent in there, but knowing them, they'll probably make a trade for Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook. But, like, who are uh, who, who do you have slide up at number eight? So this was a controversial pick on my YouTube channel. Oh, okay. But it doesn't matter who I would have selected. Knicks fans would have. You know, they're so passionate. So <laughs> if there's somebody they don't <laughs> yep. like, there's going to be 10 to 20 people telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. But knowing – I shouldn't say knowing like like he's my homeboy or something. But <laughs> Tibbs wants to win now. I don't think he's a guy that's really patient as far as developing young guys. Um, I can definitely see them making a trade for somebody like Chris Paul. And the rookie who I think is the most ready to contribute – on the NBA team right away is Obi Toppin. Now, defensively, that's going to be an issue. And, you know, uh, Tibbs is known as a defensive guy. Yeah. But I think Toppin could come in and win rookie of the year and give them, you know, like, you know, he, he would just kind of give them a guy that's a little bit more mature than the rest of the guys. And I, and I think he's just ready to come in right away and put up a double-double. I think that, um, you know, they have a lot of power forwards, but I'm assuming that Chris Paul is going to be there. And so and I imagine Randall would be gone or in, in that in that deal for Chris Paul. So kind of loosen up the logjam that they have at the four spot. But Obi Toppin is who I think they'll, they'll take just because, like I said, he also has ties to CAA. You know, he's a CAA guy and yeah. same nice. coach, you know, Leon Rose is. You know, the, the man at CAA. And also, the yeah. last time the Knicks were relevant was when CAA had a stronghold on the franchise. And so, I think we're going to see that all over again. Oh, that should be that should be interesting. I like Toppin. Um, obviously, defensively, his hips, man. Shakira's the hips don't lie. His are lying every time he gets into any semblance of a, of a stand. So, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, I think it's a fit. Someone that, you know, 
yeah, clear weaknesses, of course, but works with them. I wasn't even aware of the connection that you pointed out, so I feel you there. Okay, so we're almost to the team models. I'm interested in most of all, um, just because I live here. But before we get there, um, the Washington Wizards, number nine. I mean, you got your point guard in John Wallback, uh, depending on what you think about Bradley Beal. Uh, you know, I don't know. Rui Hachimura had an interesting year. I don't know if it was uh, disappointing, but it definitely wasn't great. Uh, who do you have going uh, to the Wizards? Uh, is it a big? Like, like how do you kind of feel there? I saw a Kongu in some, but we got yeah. him early. So, yeah. So this is pre that video that came out last week, Devin Vassell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> if his shot looks like it in that video. Then I did he's, see that. Lord <laughs> he's, no. He's gonna slide down my draft board, but I'm going to. Uh, have faith that that he was just kind of messing around and, and drills and that's the only thing that was filmed but yeah i think Devin Vassell would be a good fit there he's a defender the wizards were the second worst defensive team in the nba last year mm-hmm. they gave up like 119.1 points per game so they were just a little bit better than the hawks and uh Vassell would give them a, a just a, a very good guy that can just fit in with the players that they have he defend multiple positions and he can knock down open shots and I think he has a really high upside if he develops his ball handling and becomes better at attacking the rim. Mm-hmm. But I think that Washington, like I said, is a good fit for him because the the like he he'll make a strong offensive team even stronger in a sense because if they resign Bertans and get Wall back, you gotta think the Wizards offense put up a lot of points last year. And that was yeah. without John Wall. So um they may average a hundred and 30 <laughs> this year especially <laughs> if they start the season early in in December the offenses are going to be way ahead of the defenses but yeah I just think that Vassell gives him a guy that can knock down open shots he's a 41 percent shooter from three in college and he'll, he'll provide defense so th- to me that's like the best fit for them I feel you on that I like Vassell uh, before I saw the shot form I think that any shot that looks a mix between mine and and uh, mine looks almost between that and Sean Marion. That's a scary shot in the NBA. So uh, I'm worried. But, okay, now we get to a team. I mean, I wrote about them in the past. Um, Lakers fan, but definitely follow Phoenix just being in the area. Where do the Phoenix Suns go here? Because you're in a team that, you know, you won the eight in the bubble. And, yeah, you know, some of it was just teams kind of – now I want to say cashing in. The Suns earned every game. But you're taking that small sample size. You're riding the momentum of that into this next season where you say, hey, we can be contenders. And you maybe even have more of a fight for it if uh, DeAndre Ayton was suspended for 25 games. But with that being said, you look at your guys. uh, Apparently, Kelly Oubre might be on the move for everything from the number two pick to Aaron Gordon straight up. Who knows? Where do you (laughs) see the Suns drafting uh, in that position? And, like, I guess what would be the target? Obviously, shooting guard's a lock. Mikel Bridges is great. If you're drafting a point guard, you're obviously drafting for – um, uh, the guy to succeed Ricky Rubio um, in, in a year or two years' time, but also someone that can kind of contribute now. I've seen a lot of interesting picks and mocks in this scenario, and so I'm kind of intrigued by yours in this one, in latest one, I mean. Yeah, so I think for Phoenix, Cole Anthony will be a steal. Like I think that he will be a great pick there. He's someone whose stock has... Declined a little bit, especially yeah. considering where he was at this time last year. He didn't have the best teammates around him in North Carolina, so his numbers didn't look good. I think Phoenix is good for him because he can learn from Rubio. He doesn't have to come in and be the starting point guard. He can be like your sixth man, mm-hmm. and he can – well, depending on you know if Uber and Cam Johnson, that whole situation. But I think he can come in and just – be an engine in the second unit. He can learn the nuances of playing the point guard position. and But early in his career, he can just focus on what he does best and what his strengths are, which is scoring. And then I also feel like Booker is a very underrated passer, especially mm-hmm. out of like pick and rolls. And Cole Anthony was a really good off-the-ball catch-and-shoot player last year in North Carolina. He didn't get a yeah. lot of opportunities, but he can knock down – catch-and-shoot jumpers. He's good at locating and finding, like, holes in the defense where he can get his shot off. And so I think with NBA floor spacing, he should be a much better finisher at the rim. North Carolina did not have a lot of spacing there, so his numbers were, you know, they weren't good as far as finishing at the rim. But Phoenix should have the floor spacers. And I think that if he 
ends up being the player that everyone thought he was coming into last year's draft. Phoenix gets a steal with him at number 10. So that's that's one of those um, between Washington and Phoenix. I really want to see Cole Anthony land there because he was someone who I was high on coming into last season, kind of soured on him during the season. But then when I took a second look at his film, I, I'm, I'm back high on him again. So I would love to see him in a situation like, like Phoenix. Okay, I like that. No, I heard obviously a lot about him before the season started and then um, defensive struggles and the team itself wasn't great. And then he kind of just kind of disappeared off the board. So I'm glad that'd be really cool to have someone like that. His shot making ability, um, his ability to make an impact right away in that in that vein. Yeah, I would totally be on board uh, for that one. But um, that leaves me okay. Real kind of just run through these real quick. But between the Spurs and the Kings, is anyone like a top prospect kind of stand out for those guys in both teams in, in interesting situations? I think for the Kings, it's a lot more clear uh, at their at 12. You know, you're looking at retained De'Aaron Fox, but you're not making the playoffs next year. So you kind of need to figure out what you're going to do there. For the Spurs at 11, I mean, who knows what they're going to do, but I expect that with Greg Popovich returning for another season, that their goal would be more than likely to make the playoffs. And what's crazy is that with the talent they have on the team, while it's not like the upper echelon, it is decent enough that I think they have a case that they can hang around like they do, you know, take that rodeo trip, whatever the case may be. And still be in a fight for the, you know, seventh or eighth seat down the stretch. So uh, between 11 and 12 for the Spurs and the Kings, like, what are your thoughts on those guys? I have the Spurs taking Patrick Williams. I think they need some front court help. Yeah. Taking a guard would be kind of redundant in a sense. I think they have a lot of guards uh, or a lot of wings, Um, even though they could end up losing DeRozan. Yeah. And uh, I think Bellinelli. Brent would be Forbes gone. Too. Brent Forbes could be gone. So there may be some shots, some spots there, but I know uh, Keldon Johnson is supposed to have a much more significant role in the offense um, next year. Yeah. I think Patrick Williams would be a good choice. If they decide to go with another wing to replace DeRozan, I think that um, you know they could look at R.J. Hampton. I think that he brings a different dynamic as far as like his speed and getting to the rim. I think that he could... You know, claps the defense, kind of like Tony Parker used to in a sense. Not saying mm-hmm. that he's, he's Tony Parker, but I just remember those Spurs offenses were geared around Tony Parker's speed and him getting to the rim. And then once he got to the rim, he was able to collapse the defense and kick it out to the corner and get a lot of hockey assists. So I, could, I think R.J. Hampton could provide that for them. Um, Tyrese Halliburton could be another guard that they take. I think Halliburton is like a really safe game manager of a point guard. Um, Mm -hmm. But then again, like I said, the Spurs have too many guards as is. Yeah. So um, same for Sacramento. Like Mm -hmm. whoever whoever the Kings draft is going to be redundant unless they get like Okongu or Wiseman to fall that low, which, you know, I don't think anybody is expecting that. But right away, you know, the point guard situation is taken care of. You know, at the shooting guard, you just pay Buddy Hill what like 90 something million dollars then mm-hmm. you, you you moved him off the bench you got bogdan <laughs> who's a free agent um then you know you got harrison barnes who you just paid you know a pretty big contract yeah uh and then you know bagley's gonna play simply because you have to try to prove that the mistake of taking him over <laughs> Luke wasn't as bad. I mean, this already looks pretty bad, but yeah. you definitely got to try to give him a lot of opportunities. But I think Bagley should play the five and Barnes should play the four. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think whoever the Kings, I, I think they need to, whew, I don't know. That, that's a tough spot. Cause like I said, their starting five is pretty much set for the most part. I don't really see a rookie that can come in and, and crack their starting lineup. Yeah. But you're just looking for someone that can help you. And I, I feel like with Sacramento, before the stoppage in play, they were one of the hottest teams in the league. I feel like they were just starting to get it together. You know, they had uh, Bagley missed a lot of time. Fox had the severe ankle sprain. Yeah. So he missed some time. So I feel like they were just, you know, getting it together. And then they weren't able to maintain that that same, you know, uh, momentum in, in the bubble. So, But they're a team that I think – believes that they're going to be a playoff team next year actually i feel like every team in the west feels like they're a playoff team except oklahoma city so yeah yeah for sacramento day i wouldn't be shocked to see them even move this pick and see if they can get a veteran also similar to the hawks i'm with you on that man i mean that's gonna be interesting to see kind of where they go 
Uh, then we'll do last three kind of rapid fire only because the only one I'm really intrigued by is Orlando because I feel like <laughs> I have no idea what they're going to do. And like I was in a mock draft kind of thing here on Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago and I was the magic. And I'm like, uh, do I grab another front court player with like the stable of front court players we have? Is there a guard I'm looking at this late that I think is intriguing that I look at as like a, a pick of the future? So between the Pelicans, uh, Celtics, and Magic, uh, who you got to round out this uh, the, the final picks of the lottery or the first half of the lottery? I have uh, the Pelicans selecting RJ Hampton. Again, that's a, a tough situation because mm-hmm. their you know their their rotation is pretty much set. Um, but I, I I have them on my mock selecting RJ Hampton. But I think the best fit for them overall is Jalen Smith from Maryland. I think that he would be the the perfect complementary piece to Zion Williams. Zion Williamson okay. because he can shoot the three, he rebounds, he blocks shots, but he won't be taking up the same space in the paint as Zion. And so mm. I think. You know, with Zion, you have to find a good fit for him just because he's such a unique player. So you have to, you know, find complimenting piece around him. And how many guys can you find that are that can space the floor but rebound and block shots? So um, I think at 14, I like Precious Achua to Boston. I'm a big oh, Achua I like fan. Him. Yeah. Um, he's a little raw, high potential, also has high bust potential. But I, I, I like him a lot there. And then at 15 for Orlando, I have him taking Kyra Lewis. I think that, you know, with Michael Carter-Williams and D, DJ Augustine being free agents, I think that adding another point guard as an insurance policy for Fultz, I'm not sure if you're 100% sold on Fultz as far as giving him a big long-term contract. Yeah. So I think, um, you, know, I, I, you know, they're pretty much set everywhere else. Um, you know, they got... Bamba, who's not playing, you got uh, you know, at the four, you have Aaron Gordon still there. You still have Isaac, who probably won't play this season. You got the kid out of Auburn they drafted last year as a first-round pick that should be playing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that maybe they could go with an Aaron Neesmith just in case they feel like uh, Evan Fournier is going to opt out, which uh-huh. I doubt if he does this summer. Not summer. It's already fall. I know, man. NBA, (laughs) it's a thing, man. It's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I just think they need help in the backcourt. So I would take uh, Kyrie Lewis. If he's not available or if they decide that they don't want to go with a point guard, then I think someone like Aaron Neesmith would would be a good fit there. Okay. I'm with that. I think that's a nice pick. I'm I'm especially intrigued by Achua because I think he's another of those big guys. Actually wrote kind of a draft thing a little bit ago. Well, a little bit ago being two months ago on like, an intriguing player that he was. But um, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. Help me with that. So I got three more. I got to do a, a, my superlatives. I try to do with a guest every time I come on. Um, or Not really superlatives, but like predictions. And I know this is not absolutely nothing going to nail you down on. Just something for fun. But like, uh, it was three. So one was like, of this draft, since you've been following this, you have literally hours of content, both on YouTube and on audio, just to dive in on these guys. So you've watched more than myself and I'd say a ton of listeners here. Um, who out of here is the most likely to become a superstar? Oh, a superstar? I uh, think you can even take like, star, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Talent-wise, I, I, I think it's... I think Anthony Edwards, just based off of talent-wise. If he maximizes it, then you end up with a... You know, a strong, powerful guard that can score, put the ball on the floor, play at three levels. Uh, but, yeah, I just think talent-wise, it, it's hard to, to find a, a better player than him. Okay, I feel that. Got you. Um, And then the most likely to play long career. I said 15 to 18 years, but a guy that you can see kind of sticking around. You can even – I mean, he can even be a role-player type. Maybe not a Udonis Haslam, but, like, a guy that you <laughs> say, okay, his skills and intangibles – He's going to have a long career in this league, whether it's as a valuable role player or rotation guy or whatever. Sadiq Bey, guy who I want my Blazers to draft. I oh, wow, okay. He's uh, from when I could just have a really, really long career simply because he's um, he's just a good complimentary piece that can play next to anybody, plays defense, knocks down open shots. His game isn't based off of speed or athleticism. And so, you know, usually those guys stick around a long time. And so I also think, like, sometimes, even with all that said, if you're, like, a really good character guy, yeah. then you play a long time. And yeah. so, you know, like Haslam, for example. He's, 
He's been stealing money for the past five years. <laughs> for real though, he's been around like he haven't even. I don't even remember I saw him all playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like do, do you even have like hoop socks on underneath your warm ups? <laughs> like what? <laughs> for real, he's just chilling. But yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, maybe maybe a little more productive in those latter years than Haslam. I saw a thing that was hilarious on Twitter saying that the untouchables for the Heat were. Um, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Udonis Haslam, and I like, <laughs> I just about lost it. Like, of course he's untouchable. Nobody wants him. He good. Like, I appreciate his heat culture impact, but dude, just put on the suit. Like, we're done. Just, just put on the suit. Give him the player development coach. I'm like, exactly. man, he's got the greatest job ever. Like, I promise I have not seen him play since LeBron left. No, no. They could have had a big to throw out. Exactly. It feels like that. They could have had a big to throw out there in the finals against, you know, Anthony Davis, and they had Myers Leonard dusted off. For the first time all postseason, and Kelly Linick, you didn't even give him a look. You were like, "Yeah, no, nah, he's one of the coaching staff." Yeah. <laughs> but um, last one, uh, most likely to flame out early. Someone who I, I don't even want to be negative in that way, but we talk <laughs> about the boomer bust potential. Someone whose bust potential is higher than most people either think, or maybe they do, and it's just not something that that is like really slept on. Man, I hate saying this because I'm a big, big fan, but uh, right. Precious Achua, I think oh, that wow. he's high i think he has high bus potential but he has a high ceiling it's just a matter of is he willing to accept the role i know when he was in high school he was a wing he liked to dance with the ball a little bit yeah. and he liked to show his guard skills if he decides like that's how he wants to play then yeah. i think he could end up in a thomas robinson situation like i, used I to was say, just about to say him bro <laughs> yeah i was just about to say someone i was high on uh-huh yeah, because I, I, I tell people all the time, what is the difference between Thomas Robinson and Tristan Thompson? I feel like Tristan knew his role. as yeah. a, He's going to come in and, you know, rebound, defend, be an energy guy. And I felt like Thomas Robinson was trying to show his skill set. I remember going to a summer league game, going into his rookie year, and he was trying to run the point. And he was shooting jumpers. And, and, uh, and it's kind of tough because you don't want to tell somebody, like, don't expand your game but you mm-hmm. also have to know your role and i think for him he was a tremendous rebounder when he did play but i just think like he i heard he couldn't catch either i heard that was a, a big problem His hands. He couldn't, yeah he had bad hands so he was such a great rebounder but yeah i think if Achua tries to play out of himself then i think he could end up in a in a bad situation but if he accepts being like a, a switchy defender that rebounds defends well and then slowly relies on you know adding to his games and i think he could be an all-star but yeah i think he has the widest gap in my opinion i feel you on that man hey rafael i appreciate you coming on give me your draft insight kind of going through the lottery here and talking just nba draft and i mean listen i i'm gonna plug it again NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Uh, check out the podcast. I'm all over that. But, like, you want to plug, uh, aside from you grinding on that, anything else you got going on or where they can find you, like, again, on Twitter? Yeah, thanks again for having me on. But, yeah, Barlow500 uh-huh. is my Twitter. Um, I feel like I probably should change it, but I've had it for so long. <laughs> I feel <laughs> that. I feel changing that. it now to, like, my name would make it a little harder to find me. I don't know. I, I may do that. But, yeah, NBA yeah. Draft Junkies. It's, uh, you know, my website, the podcast. You can just type it in anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, and then on my YouTube channel, I've been putting in a lot of work. I think I'm at over like 145 videos for this draft class. Jeez, and man. I plan on putting out a little more. I think I put out like 40 podcast episodes yep. since May. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm working, man. Like I'm, I'm really working. I, I feel like um, for me to get to where I want to go. I'm just going to have to outwork everybody and, and just kind of show a tremendous work ethic. So that's that's what I've been doing. And um, I'm looking forward to getting this draft over in a sense <laughs> and because I'm, I'm ready to start on 2021 draft. But, yeah, that's where you can find oh, me. Yeah. Anyway, NBA draft junkies, like I said, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and uh, obviously the website, which I should be updating soon when I put out my, my next mock draft. For sure, man. Thank you again uh, for no coming problem. on and – Anytime. Yeah, it's been it's been great. Hey, I'm I I tell guests when they say that I'm a, I'm a whole people too. Like, cause next year on the draft, you you know the NBA in general. I, I I'm really a, I can't say enough how big a fan I am of your content, man. So 
Thanks a lot. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Yeah, anytime, man. Just any mm-hmm. anytime you want to guest talk, whether it's NBA draft or even just regular NBA. I mean, I follow the league too, so okay. um, I'm just a, a phone call, text away, and, I, and I'll be on. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you. And uh, y'all know where to, to find me. I, I got the lame. Uh, I slapped the NBA at the end of my name, and that was my Twitter handle. So uh, on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. Again, Hoopball Podcast, y'all. Uh, we got stuff coming up with free agency and the draft potentially coming literally one after the other in terms of draft, free agency, start of the season. So check that out, hoop-ball.com. On Twitter, at HoopBallTweets. Uh, we'll have another show coming up. It's been a, a crazy couple of days for me also. I'll explain the, 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 the lag in content. Uh, actually, I probably won't. It's just been some crazy days, and, and that, that is what it is. But um, we're going to be back on something some... something real fast? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, man. like, I, I know that you've mentioned how you've been a fan of, of my work, and, and you know, mm-hmm. you've kind of, like, <laughs> I guess, gassed me up or pumped me up. But yeah, I'm a no. fan of your work. I, um, I know, like, uh, I was probably following you before you were following me. Yeah, so. you <laughs> So yeah, man, that, keep man. up, keep up the good work. So yeah, I I really like your you know your tweets and and all of that. So thank you, man. I got I gotta share the story about that because I hit last week. I was I listened to the last episode. I said you know what I'm gonna have them on. I'm gonna find them right. So I go on the YouTube. I do I go on the YouTube uh, about or contact. Found the Twitter. Boom. And as I do, it's like he follows you. I'm like hold the phone. Like since when? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been following you for for a little while. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And yeah, I, I'm telling you, like, follow this guy, man. Follow him on Twitter. Yeah, check me out. I know what I'll be doing. Check on me today. We'll have that going. We're going to definitely have Rafael back on, a bunch of other guests. We got to keep this offseason rolling. So make sure to do that. But um, until then, y'all, just stay frosty. Take care of yourselves. Crazy times coming up. Let's get it together. Let's watch the NBA or the NBA offseason. And uh, I'll talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.